Good morning, everyone. Uh, it's November 2022. I woke up this morning and I was thinking about uh, mental health and health care. And I was uh, remembering institute the word institution and institutionalization. And I thought, well, how, what do we refer to? We have, well, we have the institution of marriage. We have an educational institution and we have healthcare institutions. And then we have the insane asylum, which we no longer even call it that. We call it uh, mental health institutions. So um, I started thinking about my experience there with that. And I was like, you know, the wording leads people to believe that it should take place in that order. You should get married first and then go to a mental health institution <laughs> or a prison institution. But because of the way the law is designed uh, in certain states, not every state, there are no-fault divorces. And then there's something we call counseling that doesn't require institutionalization. Institutionalization is, uh, and, and the definition might have changed, but it's a long-term stay in a mental health uh, facility. A long-term stay. And what is a long-term stay? I think it's longer than two weeks probably longer than uh, the period of annulment, because I think the period of annulment is 30 days. Now, just that for a sane person or even an insane person is enough to cause them to misbehave. It's enough to cause them to almost go crazy, depending upon uh, the goal and the reason. So the institutions are available to just go and talk to someone, a doctor, about your mental health. And a lot of people, I think, fear doing this. They, they think they can handle it on their own. They think they might have a misperception that uh, the institutions are designed to only prescribe medication or to force medication and to take uh, the decision-making power away from the individual and put it into the hands of the judges or the um, person with the power of attorney or the people designated to make decisions in event someone has become, uh, what is the word, unable to make their own decisions. So there is a word and I can't remember it. It's, wouldn't you know it? Um, what is it called? Uh, just unable to make their own decisions. There's a psychiatric word for it. Uh, in that case, it usually goes through a legal process where you plead your case and you say, you know, I've been evaluated by doctors and found to be psychologically fit. Or I've been evaluated by doctors and diagnosed with a disorder. And the doctors diagnose whether or not you're a danger to yourself or to others. 
And that's scary because when people don't really understand you and they only evaluate based upon a short interview or even a two week span of time, it really depends on the circumstances and what's going on around you, as well as your ability to actually follow through with something. You know, if you sit there in front of a doctor and you say, I want to kill 30,000 people, it's reasonable and understandable if you're in the United States military. It's reasonable and understandable if you've just been injured or hurt badly by someone, either emotionally or physically. But it helps to have a doctor to help you reason through those thoughts and say, well, you know, killing 30,000 people, uh, how are you going to do that? (laughs) Are you going to fly and put on your angel wings and go on board your ship? and hit a few buttons, you're going to give an order, you're going to use ESP. I mean, what are, what are your plans there? But the way that they ask you, it's almost like if you, and the way that the minds are, we know we have to abide by the laws, especially if we're civilians, we have to abide by the laws. And we know that we can't really just go hit a few buttons and kill 30 million people. Although it sounds nice especially in times of war, like 9-11 or other wars, World War One, World War Two, possibly World War Three, whatever. Uh, the problem here is that if someone that is sitting across from you evaluating you and asking you these questions, if they have no understanding of your job, and how long you have it has been since you left that job and your attachment to that job, your civil responsibilities and your understanding, their understanding of your understanding. Yeah, that gets a little complicated. Their understanding of your understanding of what your job is and what you can do or what you want to do and you can't do, knowing that that in itself is frustrating, but not really enough material to institutionalize a person. Yeah, so, but if it's it's a little different if someone says, you know, I really wanna kill my uh, son's father because he hurt my feelings and he's hurting me in the courtroom, taking my son away. Well, it's natural. Those are natural emotions and response and motherly instincts that you would want to do that. But the rational you, the rational self, and this doesn't have to be psychologically instilled or manipulated in a good, healthy citizen, is that these are just thoughts. Um, There are no plans to actually go do that. But a lawyer said to me one time, he said, well, you'd have to take a pill for the rest of your life. And I thought, what do you mean by, I didn't ask him, what do you mean by that? And I already knew, uh, you'd have to live in a mental asylum, according to him. So he didn't have any sort of confidence and faith in his own lawyering ability of justifiable homicide, that he could defend a person and say she he deserved it. Or, or work out a better deal that says, you know, no, he doesn't, we don't need to kill him. You know, you don't need to kill him. Nobody else needs to kill him. We just need to uh, let him know what his 
you know, a better, a better solution to this problem is maybe, you know, go to lunch together, spend some time away from your child and getting to know each other and discuss what you both want and what's best in realistic terms because of distance and time and, you know, all of the responsibilities mom has that dad doesn't have. You know, a lot of things could have been fixed. A lot of things could have been worked out. But when you're dealing with an irrational person that has a straight agenda and makes a beeline to, um, when I say a beeline, I mean like goes directly to the courtroom making demands, it is almost um, a violation of not only trust, but also intent to harm. It's clearly an intent to harm a vulnerable woman. You have to view a new mother, and even in the first year, as a vulnerable person. You cannot treat them like they are equal. You cannot treat them like they are uh, animals. You cannot treat them like they are superior and powerful because they just gave birth <laughs> or because they served in the military. You can't treat them like they are, are potential danger to themselves just because they carried a weapon or because they have weapons. But a woman on the other side of the fence who's being threatened and the man has weapons, it's a natural response that says he's going to hurt me. He has potential to hurt me and he's hurting me already. So you need to step in and take action to give a clear message that the woman is not to be hurt. I mean, we can sit around for 18 years, which is what apparently has gone on and evaluate behavior, intent and reasons behind all of that. But it comes back down to the word institutionalization. Institutionalization. Because you gotta be out of your mind if you would do that to a woman. And then try to uh, pretend or rely on a court system as backing and your, your sole reasoning because you are entitled. Well, you're also entitled to work at the grocery store and scan objects as a manager. That's your title grocery store manager. But entitlements, entitled, being entitled is that it means I have a belief that I have a right to this. And where did that come from? Where did that come from? His lawyer told him that. He didn't do legal research. He didn't read in books and, and understand what his rights are as a father. He doesn't read court procedure. He doesn't uh, go to the law library and understand what papers to file and what he can request and what accusations he can use in the courtroom. So he and his lawyer choose a strategy. His lawyer chooses a strategy and they chose to exhaust and, and hurt a person who is vulnerable. And that's a matter of timing when you make that attack. 
And that's a really important strategic lesson in war is that you have to make sure the timing, not even in war, in anything, in, in problem solving, you've got to make sure the timing is just right. If you're, if you're trying to solve a problem, people are arguing, he's angry, it's probably not a good time to sit down and say, listen, um, I'm going to leave you and take everything that you're worth. It's not a good time for that. Because if he's already angry, mad, and arguing, he he might, if you know him, and if you if he's really a violent, angry man, and he's already tried to slap you once, he's probably going to try to slap you again. He's probably going to pull out the gun. And if he doesn't pull out the gun, he's going to call his lawyer. And then it starts all over again. Because when you, an irrational mind invests his money in additional irrationalizations, people who use violence and paper to hurt someone else in, in arguing and making up lies, eventually the rational people say, you know what, you're an idiot. I'm going to walk away from you because it's not even worth the fight. Because now I'm back in training mode, having to train you again and arguing a four-party case in a, in a three-party courtroom where many are willing to violate the laws and trust. And one person just says, you know what, I'm a mother. I have to deal with work, technology, which I have a lot of kids there too. Yeah. I got a brand new baby or a child. And I got to deal with your idiot friends. You're not worth the argument. You're not worth my sanity. Because I'm important. And my son's important. But then when you got a judge who's positioned over you, start saying things that aren't even true as well. You put your needs before your, you don't know your own needs from your sons. You know, you can make one sentence statements, but they're, the time to argue the factual basis and the the intent to harm even with one sentence, one statement, it's already, because of the situation, is already violent. It's already at the physical abuse level. It's already at the emotional, mental abuse level. Now you have three lawyers against one vulnerable woman and the vulnerable woman goes you brought this on to me what do you want from me we only want your son what <laughs> and you're using my research and my profession to do it those belong in an institution that's called abuses of power in a judicial system. And they might not even know it because they might be this new fabulous creation who just popped on the scene, given a title to make decisions. And she doesn't like me because I look prettier in a business suit than she did when she was standing uh, uh, at the desk 
presenting her case. So now it comes down to who has the prettier haircut and wears her suit better or gender identification because she looks like a man. Or uh, the case of uh, she's fatter than I am. So, you know, she has more power behind her or the bailiff's got a gun. So the bailiff should decide. But the bailiff is blonde, so now she's got to fight that stereotype. You know, those are stereotypes. So we listen to music. Well, if these are stereotypes, does the stereo actually type? I don't think the stereotypes, the human types. Then they now, you know, the technology people, they're like, well, let's get this on audio and make music to it. Well, why? I would be abusive. But we've got tons of country music that, you know, where there's a tear in my beer and we can discuss your drinking habits. You know, oh, that's fine. We can discuss extremism with that song Extreme and your obsessive love and your inability to let it go and to let a woman live her life freely and uh, celebrate her awesome service to the United States. Or you can take the time to get to know the mother and get to, to know the father for a little bit, but you need, at some point you need to stop and you need to go, Oh, there's a little boy. Oh, but it can't be all about him. Cause what about the mother? What about the father? Is he really the father? Oh my God. It's turning into Jerry Springer. Well, I'm not black. Reasonableness is what seemed to be the most important word there. And reasonableness doesn't have a specific calendar uh, schedule and rules as far as uh, how you should behave in a woman's home. Because not everybody seems to understand what the word reasonableness means. It's unreasonable for you to linger in my house if I've only known you for a short period of time and you've dumped me. I use the word dumped, but we've broken up. And I don't want you sleeping in my house when I'm sleeping. Sleeping is a vulnerable time. And the reason sleeping is a vulnerable time is because now you have to trust that person not only with the belongings in your house, but you, when you're sleeping, God only knows what, if he's already willing to hurt you and and beg for what he wants or pay lots of money to get what he wants to even hurt you and threaten you, then you can't trust that person in your house. You can't trust that person when you're sleeping, especially with a, a war mindset. And it's not that the the military leaves the military with a war mindset. I'm ready to go to war now that I left the military. (laughs) That's not the way that that works. I'm ready to be vulnerable because I opened my legs and had a baby. No, that's not the way that that works. So uh, a lot of 
things misunderstood. So now that the damages happened, I was sitting in the restaurant yesterday, a restaurant, and uh, I was having my food and it's comfort food. What we know as comfort food being mashed potatoes, fried chicken, some yams, candied yams. And uh, why they call it candied yams, I have no idea. There's no candy in it. But that would be good to try chocolate-covered marshmallows in it. But anyways, I was sitting there. I was looking around. And I'm in an area that has a lot of African-Americans. And that, those are the only people sitting at the tables. And they're big. They're fat people. How they got that big, I don't know. I just sit alone. And tears started rolling down my face because reality is that he beat you up pretty bad. He beat me up pretty bad. And I had this girl that sat next to me one time and she said, your ex effed you up pretty bad. And he didn't, you know, he only did, he only abused me one time and I let him back in my life after that. And he almost did it again. And I said, that's it. I'm done. I don't, I don't like to sit around and be abused. So I cut you out of my life. Gone. But there's people that are hell bent on making people right. Correct. Even if it wasn't true, we're going to find a way to make it true. If it is true, if it's not true, she's pretty. She's prettier than you, so I like her better. So I'm going to invest in her and her dirty words, her willingness and inability to use the right words in a situation that requires um, adult conversations and an ability to say, man, you guys broke up. Well, hey, uh, call me if you need to talk about it. He abused you? Well, she might not even know what abuse is. She might not even know. Well, of course she didn't because I didn't tell her. So she makes inferences. And how? We don't know. We don't care. Those, those, are, those statements are immediately dismissed because they have no value to me. Not dismissed in a, in a courtroom if I got and had a chance to sue her. She'd be put into an institution. She would need to relearn how to speak to people. Or she would just be taken away and removed so that I don't have to look at her again and consider dysfunctional human, unable to assess a situation. So institutionalization, just for saying one thing wrong, but it's not one thing. It's a series of things because now, because you only know what I told you about the relationship, a girl that sat next to me. You don't know as far as how much time we spent together and how many mistakes, how many problems were evaluated and found. So you don't know how I wait, you know, or how much weight I give to her statements. That's why they call it the scales of justice how much weight we give to something that is said. 
And each person does that on their own. It depends on how long you've known a person. How many times has she hurt you? How many times do you have to just dismiss what she says and avoid feelings to the point where you decide, okay, she's not a good person for me. She's also turning toxic. And then you, alongside of that, you have to evaluate yourself and say, is it the situation that's toxic? Or is she the toxin? She's the toxic person. And you can just continue on with your regular stylings with her, the way you deal with her, just not respond to her because that's not worth investing in. Because for her, she might require an investment in that. That might make her feel better because she likes misery and other people to be hurt more or less than her because that makes her feel good. And that's again, odd human relations. When you have someone that's sitting next to you, you wanna be able to assess your situations correctly. And you wanna be able to be compassionate and understanding about what's going on. And to be able to speak effectively and that your words are truthful and respectful not containing profanity and low-level thinking. But she didn't have that ability. She didn't have that ability. So in those cases, you know, that's when you're just relying on a friend that doesn't have professional skill to assess relationships. But then you go, well, does everybody have to have professional skill and be titled as mental health counselor to manage and solve uh, basic relationship problems or to go to lunch and say, yeah, we broke up. I don't want to see him anymore. And then to get her to respond effectively. It's not your job. She is who she is. You accept it or you leave it. Leave it. leave it because it's it's numerous and if if those quantities increase in number then it piles up to abuse especially if if the bad statements and, and poor judgments continue and transform into something else like stealing your friends creating situations where you can't even be friends with your friends because they're hers now. Just leave it. Leave them all. If they're real people and they're not completely toxic like her and she's become or absent and so shallow minded that she has to find a winner or a loser in every game or a winner and loser with uh, with verbal abuse in every assessment of a situation or has to have a million dollars and a $400 purse to speak that way, it's not good for you. It's not good for you to uh, 
to be that kind of a friend when you're in need of some leadership. It's not good for that kind of a person to drag you down in that period of vulnerability and go buy, go spend a ton of money on purses because you're going through a breakup. It's good to have a friend that says, gosh, this, okay, this is a big deal. A five-year relationship is a long time. And so is a three-month relationship with a baby. And you can't deal with them the same way. And you can't turn to your friends and say, let's go get wasted for three to five years to solve that. That's not going to work. <laughs> you can't go spend three to five hundred dollars at the mall unless you have three to five hundred dollars and you tell yourself, I'm going to do this one time. This one time because it's going to make me feel better from what I just went through. And I'm going to justify that in my own mind. And I'm going to say because of my uh, lifestyle and I know reality and I have a plan for the next two years, I'm not going to be able to do that. Or I'm going to do that, but it's not going to be attached as an activity that requires a breakup. So that's called mental reasoning. And when you have someone else that does, uh, puts this uh, weird sense of, I'll do whatever you want to do, whatever you want to do. Oh, let's go do that. Let's go to the movies, eat food, shop, and do that in the same order every time we get together. And then we'll talk bad about our boyfriends. At some point, you got to go, that's toxic. It's not institutionalization level yet. But the smart person wakes up and goes, you know, that's very routine. And although it's um, it's nice, you got to change the routine in the conversation. 